Well, let's look at John 15, verse 1. Praise the Lord. We talk, we're on a series called Relying on Him. And, you know, we just get on, if, if uh, we start preaching on something and um, we're done a few weeks, we get off it. If we, uh, we'll, but we just go till we're done with it. Because I really don't have anything else to give you than what I believe I get from the Lord. <laughs> I don't just get it. It's not like I, you know, have a basket at home with a bunch of different verses, and I just pick one out and go, this sounds good. We're going with that tonight. I don't do that. There are sometimes I thought I've been done with the series and been like, no, we're not done with that. Sometimes thought this was going to go for a while, and then, nope, we're done. We're going with something else. So we just endeavor to be led and, uh, you know, let the Lord minister. Because at the end of the day, what we're, what we're endeavoring to do, why do, we come, <laughs> why do we come and gather here on a Wednesday night? Because we're here to give the Lord an opportunity, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, God Almighty, give him an opportunity to teach us and guide us, look at his word, his holy word, and by his spirit, he's going to teach us and help us to see his truth. There's an anointing, that means God coming upon a person and on you to help that to happen so that we can receive what we need to receive to run our race, to do what we're called to do out there in the world. So we're coming. This is like, you know, a pit stop. You know, you're, you're driving, you know, on the road. You don't just drive forever. You have to stop for gas, right? Well, this is one way you should be reading your Bible at home. You should be praying. Uh, but that that doesn't take the place of this. This is, God put this into place. He set gifts in the body of Christ, specifically teachers um, and ministers, so that we could be built up, so that we could run our race, so that we get what we need. So we come in, we're getting filled up to go out and do what we're called to do. This is, they, they all work together. This helps us to run a race. You reading the word by yourself on your own, you should do that. You don't, but you shouldn't just say, well, that's good enough. I should be at home. I don't need to gather together as a church. That's just wrong because that means God missed it because he ordained this. He said to do this. Why do we bring in guest ministers? Because they're different gifts, different um, callings in the body of Christ. They bring something different. Okay? It's like, you know, you have a company of different people. You don't have all engineers, hopefully. You don't have all marketing people. You don't have all salespeople because then you don't have anything to sell. If you just have all salespeople and nobody to build it, you have engineers, sometimes they don't go so well. They don't know how to market anything. They call stuff stupid names. Like, what does this mean? I don't know. An engineer named it. I'm an engineer. I can say that. I have a background in software engineering. You know, worked in the industry for 20 plus years. You know, you just, it works better when we all just do our thing. Well, we're called, well, it's the same thing in the body of Christ. Well, why do we bring in guest ministers to say, oh, we had a guest minister. We had four of them this year. No, it's so that we have different aspects. We're exposed to different parts of what God is doing in the earth and what he wants to bring to our local body. Body being, you know, all the body of Christ, the, the local community, local congregation. And so we pray about who to bring in. We just like, oh, that's a good person. I mean, Philip, we've known Philip since before we were married. And it's not, it just was working out that we were like, time to have Philip in. Um, you know, we, we, we bring in people, uh, you know, like you got the Marauders come in. He's an evangelist. When you meet him, he's an evangelist. His heart beats for the lost. 
He goes to Brazil. He's been to Brazil 30 plus times. That's mostly where he goes. Uh, he just, he, he, he doesn't know a stranger. You know, uh, he, he, his heart beats for the lost. And so you got that, you got a different, you'll get fired up. You come in, you're going you're gonna to leave feeling like you're an evangelist. I mean, we, you, have, you have, everybody's called to minister, but not everybody's a five-fold office of managers. But when you get done, you're going to feel like, I'm going out, that's what I'm doing. That's what's supposed to happen. And then you got different aspects that, that you know, you, you brought in to do that. Anyway, why are we here? We're here to, to grow in the things of God. We're not just buying time. We're not going, oh, I'm at, I'm at church on Wednesday, ooh, part of a club. No, we're here to grow. We're here to get filled up so that we can live our lives for God on the earth while we're running our race, and then you're called to be part of a local congregation. You ought to be. TV is not good enough. It's just not. You guys are watching online. It's okay, but it's still the truth. It's not good enough. You need to be, you know, here. You need to be with other believers. They need to see the Spirit of God in you and them and vice versa, and you need to have people that you know that, that you know, are part of your community, that you are running your race with. They, they should live close to you. So we're all doing this together. We're all going after God together. That's not, you know, this is not what I'm preaching on tonight. But that's why we're here. It's good to be reminded of what we're doing. You know, I was excited. I was excited to go to church every time the doors were open. Like when I was in Lincoln, Nebraska, I grew up in Omaha, went to school, went to college in Lincoln, Nebraska, stayed there. Went, you know, when I was in college, started going to a church there, uh, Raymond Church, the same school I graduated from. Uh, you know, these pastors did. And... Uh, you know, just a young college student before I met Shelly, I was just excited to go. I remember talking to somebody once, and, you know, they were like, they were like you, you like going. You're, you're excited to go? And I was like, yeah. I mean, I, li- I was involved. I did everything, got involved in anything that uh, they wanted me to get involved in and just was excited to go because when I would sit there, my pastor, he would open his mouth. And it was like he knew exactly, he didn't know mentally, but it was like he had a conversation with me that afternoon and prepared a message for me. Yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's not a, a man thing. That's, that's because Jesus, who is the chief shepherd, is ministering to his people. He uses, he uses human beings that are gifted, but it's him ministering. It's not the person. We, we got to prepare ourselves and be able to flow with him, but... If we're flowing with him and he's, he's, he's ministering through, well, then he's doing the ministry. And that's why it feels like sometime, what? You, that's like right at me. That's like exactly what I needed. There's no way a, person, a human can do that and scale it up for however many people. It does, there is no limit. You can be talking to 50,000 people and they all get a different thing. Talking to 10, they all get a different thing. So God's good. And so I was excited about going to church. I enjoyed going to church. I was just like, yes. And then when we got married, you know, of course, we're excited about going and, and just involved in anything, everything and enjoying it and just getting ready, you know, to go out and do what, what we're called to do at that point. You know, I'm working as a software engineer. Shelly's has another job at that point before we had kids. You know, she, she would 
work outside the home. And then once we had Brianna, she she was working at home. Her, very much. People say, oh, stay at home. You don't have anything to do. Ha. She had a lot to do. Amen. So praise God, we're here and we're receiving from the Lord. Amen. So let's look at John 15, verse 1. John 15, told you this is a different night. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Verse 5, Jesus speaking. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, you could say, I'm the tree, and you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Where does the fruit on a tree grow? It grows on the branches. Okay, it doesn't grow on the trunk, it grows on the branches. We're the ones that are supposed to bear fruit on the earth, but you can't do it apart from the tree. Jesus God is the tree. As, as, a, as a Christian, sure, you can get stuff done. You can do stuff in the earth. People do it all the time with or without God. But what God Almighty, the King of the universe, the Creator, said, you're not going to bear fruit that remains without me. In other words, you're not going to do anything of real importance without me. And so the fruit is born on the branch. But if you know as well as I do, if you, you know, we were just trimming some uh, branches off some trees uh, the other day. If, if those branches are not connected to the trunk, they're dead. Yeah. They're not going to bear. Their fruit-bearing days are over. Yeah. Right? If we're not connected to the tree, if we're not connected with our Lord, it uh, doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. If you're not connected, you're not going to bear any real fruit. You can do stuff. You're not going to bear any real fruit. Fruit. So Jesus said, you got to be attached to me. That means you got to have a vital living relationship with me in order to bear fruit in this earth. In John 5, 19, another verse we read, it says, Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son, and He shows Him all things that He Himself does, and He will show Him greater works than these that you may marvel. So this is, uh, Jesus is saying, I can't do anything apart from the Father. So He's saying, I only do what I see the Father does. And so if that's Jesus saying, I can't do anything apart from the Father, how much us? So Jesus needed to rely on the Father. And you think, you know, uh, we, we can think, oh, I'll just, I'll just live this life on my own. I'm a Christian now, so whatever. No, we're, we are uh, misinformed if we think that. Um, we got to be connected with the one we call Lord. See, when you become a, a, a Christian, it is not a religious thing. It is not a club. It is a relationship. You are, you're, Jesus bought and paid for 
uh, all our sin, all our wrongdoing, he made the way back to God for us. But we have to believe on him in order to be in the family of God. In other words, we're not in the family of God. We're under the control of Satan, whether we know it or not. And Jesus made the way so that we could become back in the family of God. If we believe on him, he's already paid the price, so we come back in the family of God. But now, that's not all there is to it. It's not like, oh, I'm a Christian, so when I'm out of here, you know, I got fire insurance, not going to hell. But what? When I'm in a club, I'm just, I get together with some other people and we just chill. You know, we hear somebody talk and, you know, we get excited about the music and that's it. No, we all have, now what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to go to the one that we, that, see, it's not just a savior, he's supposed to be our Lord, our master. What does that mean? He calls the shots in our lives. We're supposed to go and say, Lord, what would you have me to do with my life? Because he knows. He knows better than any counselor. He knows better than any assessment uh, test online to tell you what you're good at. and God, God already knows that. He doesn't need to assess me. He's already assessed you before you were born. He knows what you are to do. So, how, so we go to him and say, Lord, what is it? Now, you may not think you're good at it. You may think, I don't know how I'm going to do that. It doesn't matter. God is right. So we're supposed to say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then we're supposed to do that daily and live life according to what he's telling us to do. That's relying on him. We're not supposed to think we, we can do it ourselves. And this is a problem. It's a problem if we can't rely on him. One of the, and and um, this is, this is what, what keeps people from relying on him is their own. I mean, there's all kinds of ideas in the earth. I mean, we are full, the earth is full of people that don't even believe there's a God and think they can do it on themselves. Well, if we're exposed to that all the time and you immerse yourself in that, guess what ideas you're going to start picking up? I don't need God. Who God? What? Prove it. What, there's a God? You, you, are, you, you are falling into wrong thoughts. You're being influenced, if we go down that path, by, by thoughts that aren't godly. Well, what does that do? That keeps you from fully relying on him. Because, I mean, in its fullest extent, rely on who? Does he exist? See, that's where people are. They're like, this is all there is. So I'm just going to go on and live my life. Well, there's no connection between them and God. Well, then they could start, they could find something out about God. Well, it, but they could, it could be a stumbling block to bend their knee to him, to God, to say that the Bible's true, to say that it's right. Well, that could be a stumbling. Then you, if they get over that, now they're a Christian. Now they got to bow their knee and say, okay, God, whatever you want for me to do. That's a stumbling block. And everybody on the earth is somewhere in there. And then, you know, you get to the place more and more fully committed and fully um, just uh, you're obedient to him, you're submitted to him, we're, we're, we're all in some continuum there to where we're actually doing what he wants us to do every day. So how do you do You've got to rely on him to do that. 
And anything that keeps us from relying on him is keeping us from bearing fruit and actually doing what he has actually called us to do. You know, we read this last week, 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, quote-unquote, mighty, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to, th to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. It's saying that God, God has chosen things that look foolish to put to shame the things that look mighty. But think about that for a second. If the, the most powerful being in the, the universe is asking a human being to do something, and that human being does what the most powerful being says, that is the wisest thing you could do. On the other hand, telling the most powerful and wise being in the earth, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to live life the way you have said, is one of the stupidest, it is the stupidest thing you could do. Right? I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. If, if, you're, if you say, well, God, <laughs> I got a better idea. That's dumb. Because he's, he's either God or he's not God. I mean, either it's a fairy tale or he's, if he's who he says he is, which he is. God of the Bible, he created everything, which means he knows a little bit more than we do. We know so little. I mean, our experience is so minute. You know, vast majority of people have never been off the planet. Overwhelming majority of <laughs> There's a very small fraction of people that have been off the planet, I mean out of the atmosphere. I'm not talking about in a plane. Like in space. That all we know is this, and then we see pictures of the rest, you know, that are some representation of the rest of what we think is out there. God knows what's out there. He made it. There is no dark region of space that he is not aware of. He knows what's in a black hole. He knows how it works. I mean, all the stuff we're trying to, like, figure out, he already knows because he made it. See, God is not just, well, you know, just the spiritual aspect and no reality. He created reality. Talk about engineering, talk about science, talk about math. He made the principles that make all that stuff work. He doesn't just understand it. He designed it. He's so far above us. So for us to go, he missed it. It's a really stupid, stupid thing to do. And um, it's not relying on him. See, before you have, you're going to rely on him, you've got to believe that he's reliable. 
you got to believe that he's it. You got to come to the fact that, you know, like somebody said, uh, quoting a movie, he said, I've come to two undeniable, not that this is all true, it's funny. <laughs> but it's true, but it's like not the same way. I've come to two undeniable or irrefutable truths in this life. One, there is a God. Two, I am not him. We need to know that. There is a God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and we're not God. And if we're a Christian, we're not God of our lives. Jesus is Lord. So what does that mean? You don't have a choice. Honestly, we're talking about being reliable. You know, you, you share these things, you preach, or you're relying on Him. You, you know, we, we, we share these sermons. Um, we're, it's really not optional. It, you know, in, in sometimes the way the gospel is presented, the way truth is presented, especially now, I mean, it's nothing new. It's been like that for hundreds of years. It's almost like trying to sell you something like, here, you know, do you like this? Uh, would you like to live this way? And kind of like a commercial thing, like, like you'd sell a product. God's not selling a product. He is life. He is truth. And he doesn't beg people to follow him. And sometimes we make a mistake. We misrepresent God. Because we're like, oh, come, you want to follow him? No, we should share the gospel. But God is not begging people. He is life itself. He is truth. We should never be ashamed or embarrassed or like, oh, would you? That's like acting like it's a club. Like it's man-made. Would you join my club? It, you're talking about representing the king of the universe, what he did to save you from death. And saying, do you want in on this? He's done this for you. And so as a Christian then, you don't get to make up your own rules. You don't get to, well, we're all entitled to our beliefs. Not if you're a Christian. You know what you believe? You believe what the Lord told you to believe. Christian means a little Christ. It's like Christ-like. What does the Christ say? With Christ, Jesus is, that's not his last name. Christ is the Messiah, the Savior. You could just be saying Jesus the Savior. Jesus the Savior. What does the Savior say? What does the Lord say? That's what we're supposed to do. And so we, it's not optional. It's not like, well, I think I'll do this. I'll think I'll rely on him. If I feel like it, try to convince me. Try harder. No, we're sharing what the Word says, and this is what we ought to do. Without question, because we are children of God, and if we say, Lord Jesus, that means whatever you say goes. And our flesh has got to die. Not literally like you kill over and die. It's got to be, you got to make it submit, because your flesh, my flesh, it does not want to do this. No matter how old you are, you know, whether you're teenage, college, 30s, 40s, 80s, you still have your flesh to deal with, and it does not want to submit, and it does not want to rely on God. It wants to do its own thing, no matter who you are. So we don't, we can't say, well, I, I can just, I'll do what I want to do. I'll, I'll believe what I want to believe. No, if we're a Christian, then we believe what he said. 
period. What if it, what if it disagrees with what I want to do in my flesh? That's what Lord means. It means Lord, whatever you want to do. What do you want me to do? What would you like me to do? That's what I'm doing. And he says something you don't particularly like. You say, well, I don't want to do that. No, Lord. You bowing your knee means whatever you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. And so relying on him, Jesus said, you cannot bear fruit apart from me. You cannot. So is that true or not? Well, it's true. So what we ought to just, when we hear these things, I know we all have flesh to deal with, but we ought to be like, okay, here we go. That's what I'm doing. I will rely on him. I'm going to do what he said. Doesn't matter. If I think it's not the right thing, I need to change my mind. Mine, you're changing. Okay, God, I'm doing what you told me to do. Your mind can argue with you. Your mind can push back on you. But we don't listen to our peanut mind. We ought to know by now we're not that smart. I mean, we may be intellectually be able to pass tests and we may be able to uh, perform jobs. We're not saying we're stupid. We're saying relative to God, there's no comparison. And so we, not, not, we ought not to rely on our own intelligence and think that we know more than the one that created us. Amen? Amen. Ever. We all are challenged with it. We all are challenged with, you know, you bump up against your own way of doing stuff. But if we want to work with the Lord, then we're going to have to do it His way. Look at James 4, verse 6. Working with Him and relying on Him is the best way we can live life. He already figured that out. Well, all we have to do is let's just do it, not try to figure out if there's another way. He already did that part. James 4, verse 6 says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I want you to notice this section of Scripture because there's verses in here that people quote, which is good. I quote them. But notice the context. What this, is, what, what this whole uh, portion is saying. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. You know, Shelly mentioned, you know, when she was talking about the, the youth, they're, they're on James right now. He's like, it's a fun book to read. James will slap you upside your head. If you think you're doing real well, read James. He's talking He's talking to Christians. <laughs> He's not talking to unborn again people. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. To Christians. He's talking to Christians. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify you hearts, you double-minded. He's talking to Christians. So he's saying, you know, let's keep reading. Verse 9, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. 
because he's talking about if these if you fall into some of these categories, it's not time to jump up and down. That's right. It's time to repent. There are things that are, yeah, we're supposed to be joyful, but not when you're in this category. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So I want you to notice, we're talking about relying on him. Here it's, it's saying, God, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. It starts out saying verse 6. But I want you to notice this section of Scripture, verse 6 through verse 10. Notice it all goes together. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's in between that God resists the proud and at the end, humble yourself. And right before it says, submit to God. Notice it doesn't just say resist the devil and no matter what, he's going to flee from you. This is all in between an attitude toward God. In other words, when you're fully reliant on him, when, you're humble, when you humble yourself before him, then he'll do what he said. Let's just read it again uh, from verse 6. God resists the proud. So he gives more grace. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So resist means to hold out a hand. I mean, you're, you're pushing back on. God resists the proud. I don't need God resisting me. I don't know about you. Does anybody, you want God resisting you? It's like you had enough stuff to deal with in the world. You do not need God resisting you. No, you want to be in that second line. He gives grace to the humble. Grace is what? It's, it's ability. You can get it done. If you, with enough grace, you can do anything. The grace of God is what enables you to do what you do for him. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus said. Well, with him, you can do whatever you need to do. That's grace. Relying on him. You're going to bear fruit. Why? Because you're so great? No, because you're, you have the grace of God. That's why we don't make much of us. We make much of him. It's just us submitting to him, and then things can happen. We're talking about lasting fruit. So God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So we want to be relying on him. We want to say, Lord, I need you. That's humble. Proud is, now, nah, I, I, I got a different way. I, I, I'll get there maybe. You know, like somebody said, say, we're going to pray. And somebody said, is it come to that? You're going to pray? Have we got, has it gotten that bad? No, it, we should be praying first. We shouldn't be like, well, let me try this on my own a while. Let me see how far I can get, then we'll go to God. No, we, as Christians relying on him, we ought to be like the first thing. Lord, what do you think about this? How should I do this? Well, you don't want to bug him. I mean, we can handle this, surely. You can't breathe apart from God. Who do we think? I mean, are you keeping your brain firing right now? I mean, are, is your brain firing right now? I mean, what, are, if, if it is firing, you're not doing it. I'm not doing it. You keeping your heart beating right now? Well, I'm going to go get something such and such done. You know, like it said in another place, you ought to ask if it's God's will we're going to do this, not I'm just going to go do it. 
No, we're supposed to do everything. What, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do today? What do you want us to do? Pray that every day. Pray it for you guys. Show us what to do. Give us the wisdom for today. Show us what to do and show us what not to do. And do your, what is in your plan to do today. What should we do? And what are the things that are going to get in the way? Show us. Because if you know that, you can cut out a whole lot of junk. Now, we ought not just to get up and go, well, whatever, I'm just going to do my own thing. And then it mess, goes, goes uh, south, and then, well, now i got to ask God. What if we ask God first? Well, if we ask him first, I'm not, this isn't supposed to be condemning, right? We're talking about the truth. What, what if we asked him first in everything we did, then we could avoid things yeah. and rely on him instead of acting like we, we got it. We're all guilty of that, of going on and saying, well, I'll get it done myself. He says he gives grace, he resists the proud, gives grace to the humble, therefore submit to God. Submit to God. That means, so, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to him, because that's humble, and then you get the grace. That sounds good, right? And then it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But notice that's after he said, submit to God. See, when you're submitted to God, when you're doing what he told you to do, when you are hooked up with him, you're in a position to resist the devil. In anything he does, he tries to come against you, say, oh, no, no, I am, I am submitted to God. You can't touch me. But if you go out and do your own thing, you're already listening to him. So it's, you know, you're resisting the devil, but you're listening to him. So that's... he. That's not going to, you know, I got one foot in, but then I'm going to resist. No, it's not going to work. No, we need to rely fully on him. We need to, to believe that he is true and he's reliable. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He'll lift you up. You humble yourself. If you humble yourself in his sight, say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I trust you. Lord, I'm going to do what you said. The Bible says he'll lift you up. He'll take, he'll take care of you. He'll bring you up. He'll, he'll, he'll give you his grace. He'll show you what to do. He'll show you what not to do. He'll help you avoid things. He'll help you prosper. He'll help you. Get, he'll give you favor. But that's in a position of being submitted. That's a position of, Lord, I'm relying on you. Man, you're, all my, you're my all in all. I'm not trying to do this. It's not a crutch of religion. It's not, oh, I need that because I'm too stupid or can't handle this life. It's, I believe God is who he said he is, and I need him. Is not a mission of weakness. It's the smartest thing you can ever do. You have resource. You have the ability to be with the Almighty and hook up with His resources. And people think it's smart to go. Oh, sorry, I don't need that. If we did that in the natural, there's some dude that wants to be your friend. You know, he's got untold riches, untold connections. Genuinely loves you. Um, 
can help you with all kinds of things. You're like, no, thank you. You'd be like, what? And if people knew, you know, this, this, this person wants, and you're just like, you're ghosting him? Are you stupid? Seriously. If you, if you named certain names, that's like, what? He reached out to you, and you're like, I don't need him. You're like, oh, so you're something, right? That's exactly the reaction people would give you. Oh, who are you? Right? I mean, we can name names that are internationally known, human beings, that if they were to reach out to you and you were like, I don't have time for them, people would look at you and go, oh. <laughs> and you are, oh, okay. They'd be like, somebody's got a big head, right? God is higher than any of those people. And people go, I don't believe in him. Oh, I don't need God. I could do it myself. The reaction ought to be like, oh, hmm. oh you're pretty smart, are you? <laughs> it's stupid when you look at it that way. People do this to God, go, don't need you. I got it. <laughs> really? Okay. Nope, it's actually the, most, the smartest thing you could ever do just to build it into your life and go, God, I need you. I love you. I submit to you. I trust you. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do because that's the smartest thing that I could ever do because you already got it all figured out. You don't even have to run scenarios. You already know exactly, not statistically, exactly what's going to happen. And so I trust you. That's the smartest thing you could ever do, period. God is so good. He's so good. Hallelujah.